Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I am here with a great friend of mine, Barney Hoskins. He's down in New Zealand in a place called Timaru, uh, and I'm up in Oslo in the Northern Hemisphere. I'm not sure we could be much further apart from each other. I think you're like, we're, we're right below each other almost exactly <laughs> so uh so we've managed to make it work uh we are exactly 12 hours apart in time now um and barney uh is a great friend but he's also someone who i wanted to talk to about winning and building wins because barney has had um a lot of success with uh sport in particular running recently which is, which is something i want to get into but barney and i also met playing touch rugby um way back in 2000 and i think it was 2010 when we first met uh, and we played at a very competitive level in us in that sport i recognize anyone listening to this who's never heard of touch rugby well you should go play for starters but i know it's not a big sport barney knows it's not a big sport it's quite big down in new zealand and australia but it's not very big in switzerland so we managed to compete at a high level in switzerland um so barney i wanted you to sort of introduce yourself uh, where you're from what you're about and uh what you're doing now in in life all right cool um, so yeah, as you said, um, lived over in the in the UK for a period. I was over there for about seven years. Um, originally from small town New Zealand. Um, I um, bricklayer by trade. I originally got into the tools, did my trade, and then got into um, teaching over in the UK, uh, and then kind of followed this sort of leadership pathway through there. So I did some further study and. Um, moved back to my hometown in New Zealand again um, with a wife that I met over in the UK, uh, Tash, and we now have two kids, two-year-old and a three-year-old, which keep us very busy. Um, yeah, really into my running. Uh, we've obviously we played touch footy together, as you mentioned, at a reasonably high level. Um, moved back to my hometown in Timaru and the touch scene. Touch is big in New Zealand, very sort of social in um, Timaru, so was looking for some sort of competitive outlet that I could put time into. Um, so, yeah, gravitated towards running in that space. Um, I have two main focuses in my well, three main focuses. I definitely should say three main focuses in my life at the moment, which are my family, uh, running, and um, growing as a leader. Um, and I'm... Um, quite focused recognizing that i've moved back to my hometown but not wanting to become too complacent um just trying to challenge myself living with some level of discomfort in my life and i guess to some degree i'm probably scared of becoming complacent um, and losing my mojo and not being able to find it again so yeah so that's a little bit about me I love that. And in fact, that you've just touched immediately on something that I really wanted to, to highlight. So um, I was just telling Barney before we, before we started, I'll put it in gallery view so we can see both of us. I, I, just before um, I, 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 we started, I was just telling Barney, he's someone who I, I really felt would recognize parts of, of uh, what I believe in, in about winning and building wins. And uh, that is perseverance and persistence. Now, um, Barney and I, <clears throat> back in the day, 
were <laughs> quite evenly matched fitness wise. Uh, I can't say the same now, unfortunately, because Barney is running ridiculously fast in long races, which I'm not. But uh, back in the day, we were quite evenly matched on various fitness tests. And he was always someone who I used as like, we would bounce off each other and, and compete with each other for trying to be the fittest in the team. And I think both of us recognized that that was one of the few things that we could control, like our own fitness and our through our own hard work, we could control that element of what we were doing. We couldn't suddenly become experts in you know, various technical aspects of the game, but we could get really, really fit. And I, and I, I saw that in Barney and I recognized that um, having followed him obviously online and as a, as a friend, even though he's in New Zealand, we're catching up on social media and things and following his progress. He's someone who is ready to put himself outside his comfort zone all the time. And I think that is something I really admire. Uh, and I, I do really admire that in you, Barney. I think that's a really cool trait to have. And I believe it is a trait of, of winners. You know, they, they don't give up. They don't, they, they want to be uncomfortable so that they can improve. Um, and that's something I'm really interested to get your sort of philosophy around. What is your, you know, when you think about discomfort and pushing yourself, what are the things that go through your mind when, when you he hear that even sentence, but also when you're thinking about pushing yourself and how do you structure your, your life around that? Yeah, that's a really good question with um, two young kids and um, like fitting everything in. And I guess for me, a lot of it comes down to priorities and where those priorities sit and how I can make everything fit. So there's a quite a lot of planning that's involved in that whole process. Um, I'm lucky I've got quite a flexible job um, and I've got yeah, flexible hours that I can work so I can... Um, yeah, I can do my money, running commitments around around my meetings and so forth in the day. Um, and that requires a lot of transparency with my team. So for lack of better words, I don't think I'm taking the piss and, um, with my hours and so forth. Um, but because running is a big priority for me, I'm willing to have those conversations with my team. I'm having conversations with my family. I'm having conversations with my manager because um, it's a priority in my life. Um, and because I've made that level of commitment to it, um, it's easier to persevere because I've made those sacrifices, I've had those conversations, and then for me it just comes down to yeah, just sticking with it, dragging myself out there every day, having patience when it's not going well. Um, and then, to be honest, it just turns into a habit, um, which evolves into a ritual um, for me. And it's just become part of my day-to-day -day life. And if I want to go deeper, it's become part of my identity as well. Um, so it's starting to run pretty deep. And I think it's probably taken about three years to get there. Um, but it certainly started to form part of my identity, which you could look at as a, in, a, in a couple of ways, I guess, because it has its, has its risks as well if I were to get injured or, or something like that too. But um, Yes, I may, have, I may be veering away from the question a little bit. Do you want to bring me back on track again? No, but that's all right. I love that. I, I habit, ritual, identity, which is, uh, which is really, really interesting. And I want to dig deeper on those things because I think, you know, your point there and, and, and how dedicated you have to be to something to achieve uh, higher and higher levels of, of, of what you want from it, you know, and, and, and with running something I find interesting, I've talked about it a couple of times is I, I love running because for me, it's a type of headspace. It's a type of um, 
meditation in a way. And, you know, when I get to go out, even if I'm listening to a podcast or music or whatever, I can just zone out and kind of be in a different space and it's doing something good for the engine at the time. What I haven't had is, is um, the commitment to try to, you know, be as fast as you running, you know, and actually compete in races in, in the level I've always just competed against myself. Uh, and I love that sport. I love running for the fact that you can be not a, an amazing runner, but still enjoy it because you can compete against your own, own speeds and your own, you know, your achievements. It's very easy to track with tools like Strava and, you know, the watches and everything. It's very easy to track how you're doing and when you run a track you can see how fast you run that track and you can see exactly how fast you can run it next time and then that, like you said you can see when you're not doing well and when you're doing really well <laughs> and i love that stuff but when you talk about habit and ritual and then identity i mean that is layers deeper like i habit is a great space to be when you're trying to do something that is good for you and you know improving your life um but the the commitment towards you know, it becoming a ritual and, and something of your identity. What do you think is driving you towards that? Like, what is it inside of you that's that, that's created that drive? Or, or has it been there your whole life? And, and where did it come from? Did it come from your parents? Or did it come from some experiences when you were younger? Like, Yeah, it's, I guess something's always sort of been there that when I commit to something, I commit to it. Um, but not in the sporting arena. I think that's been, uh, um, that happened probably more so when I started playing touch over in the UK. Um, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think of early examples. I remember my mum often tells a story about when I was young and I felt I was becoming a little bit um, chubby and I wasn't happy with my weight. Um, and I was like at primary school and I just decided one day at the dinner table that I was only going to have one one plate of food for my meals in the evenings, and I just committed to that. And um, and they all laughed when I said, "Oh, that's just what I was going to do from now on." Like not laughing at me, but it's a funny thing to say for a young kid. And then I just I doubled down, and from that point onwards, I only had um, one plate of food. I think that was I think being able to commit to something and stick with it's probably something that's always been in me and I think some of the resilience to be able to endure those unpleasant moments probably began in, early, in my earlier years growing up with the name Barnaby wasn't always easy got teased a bit and could be quite isolated um, and had to find ways to adapt to that which basically tended to take in the mick out of myself bit of a self-deprecating sense of humor which has served me well um, yeah so I guess if there were a couple of things that probably led to that early on but I think some of it was probably just innate in me um yeah, I, I wonder like because it, like you said it, you know the competitive sport started when you were uh you, you when you were playing touch uh, in 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 UK and in Switzerland and 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 before that then I mean do you do you feel like because something I recognize is you're a Kiwi, right? You're a New Zealander. And then just in case anyone didn't realize that, <laughs> Barney's a Kiwi, married to an Australian. <laughs> and, and New Zealanders tend to have um, a very competitive nature. I know I'm generalizing about an entire country, but the sense of identity around the All Blacks rugby team and, and, and a lot around when you're there, you get a real sense that they are, there is a, a competitiveness in, in the nature. And, and I guess the Maori 
um, roots uh, of the country uh, also lend to that a lot. There's a lot of competition around that. Uh, people will be familiar with the hacker and things laying down the challenge. You know, that's what the hackers, I think, all about. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong there, Barney. But that, that sense of identity. And I wonder if that affected you at all or if that played any part in, in the way you feel that you've, you've responded to sort of the, the commitment to things or the, the drive and the, the ready to be discomfort. I'd probably say it didn't play a big factor. And I say that solely because in my younger years, I played a little bit of rugby. Um, and then I didn't play rugby through high school, got back into it after high school. Um, I played table tennis through through high school, um, touch footy. Um, I didn't really get caught up in that whole, dare I say, macho, first 15, rugby, bravado sort of stuff, which um, after school I sort of got, got sucked into a little bit. But, um, you know, I don't think that was probably as big a factor. Um, I think when I discovered running, which is, I guess where my um, where the sport really started for me, um, I started running. After, um, I was doing an, a bricklaying apprenticeship, and I had a breakup, and I went for a run just to burn some energy. Um, and it was for me a very long run. I ran for about four or five kilometres, um, and I'd never run that far before. And I felt so good afterwards, like it just the endorphins, the any stress just melted away and that was my introduction to running and it's been a it's been a lifelong thing ever since I've, um, I've ever since that port of, uh, point I've just kept it up from just the mental health well-being side of things and then because I was running that gave me more confidence um, from a fitness perspective and I got into rugby um, from that point and yeah, it really opened a lot of doors then I just started becoming I guess a bit more competitive it wasn't running I started doing a lot more of it more competitively later in life. Um, that was more based on not being able to um, play touch as competitively as I, as I was able to or um, commit the time because there wasn't the training and so forth that I could sort of put into where I am at the moment. So, yeah. So I guess that, that leads to, yeah, you're, you're being able to control your time around when you run and you train as an individual sport. It's uh, it's obviously much more straightforward. <laughs> you you agree with your wife that you you know she's got the kids or, or the kids are at you know kindergarten or whatever, and then you can go. Um, whereas if you have to go and meet your team to practice, it's it's usually after work time in the evenings or uh, or at weekends, which is mm. as I have also got two young kids, is sacred time, <laughs> very difficult to give up. <laughs> So, so tell me a bit more about the running then. So you recently, I, well, I, I want you to brag about it, but I know you won't brag, but uh, you recently did amazing in, um, in a, a race down in New Zealand. So why don't you tell me about that first? It's a bit of a sliding continuum, um, continuum running. Um, like I, I'm pretty competitive where I live in my town. I'm sort of one of the fastest runners and have built an identity around there unintentionally, but um but I, I quite like it now. Um, I, I kind of almost want to take it back a little bit to a point um, you raised earlier. Um, I'm just trying to think of what it was. Uh, I've lost it. It'll come back later, but I'll talk, I'll talk yeah. to the race. Um, so I 
Oh, I, I guess I guess for the identity side of things, I was going to go back to in the habit. It wasn't that I um, initially um, set out to become a, like competitive in racing. It was it was competitive against myself, and I think even to this day, it's still competitive against myself because the scope of athletes is so broad. And I'm a small, I'm a big fish in a small pond at the moment. But if I step out into like big races, um, I'm running Queenstown Marathon. Um, and I got 15th in that last year, which I'm still really proud of. Um, but if I'm, and that's a really big thousands of people competing in an event. If I'm running a smaller event, I might get a top three um, place. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it really does depend. Yeah, what what event you're running in. But I've run in two events lately over the last um, few weeks and managed to get a top three down in Tiania. Um, and I got a first place in my hometown um, half marathon um, where I was fortunate enough to win by sort of quite a margin and yeah it's super rewarding when you're putting in K after K you're putting in all this mileage and all this training um, to come up to, to come out with something at the end of it but I guess that's not why I'm doing it and to be successful in anything you've got to be you've got to be intrinsically motivated to do it. You've got to get a sense of satisfaction from the grind because if you don't get any sense of satisfaction from the grind, you just never, you're never going to get to that reward because you're going to give up and you're going to quit on it. And that doesn't mean that you're going to love every moment of the grind. Some of that grind is just, it's almost intolerable. Um, a lot of the grind is just mental. It's not always the running for me. It's the, it's not the pain of it. It's the running the same roads and the same streets. It's the solitude of it when it's a few hours, it's okay. But if I'm running, which I am at the moment, a sort of around 120 plus kilometers a week, that's a lot of hours, you know, that you're often by yourself and you try to fit in runs with other people, but that doesn't always line up. And um, so, yeah, it's, and then that sort of, it, it evolved initially from just trying to form a habit, get out, do a certain amount of mileage, and then it became more of a ritual that if I didn't get out and do it, I would feel, I'd feel a bit low, um, and it's formed into an identity where it's just part of what I do. Um, and I try not to get too sucked into people watching me on Strava to see how many Ks I'm doing, and I'm trying to impress people because I think that's a high-risk game that leads to injury. As you'll see from my Strava, most of my Ks are probably slower than your Ks that I'm putting in because to get the mileage that I need um, to get under my belt, um, you just need to be doing it slowly, I guess, or a lot of that mileage and then your high-intensity workouts. Um, uh, yeah, pretty high-intensity. But that, so that's actually something I wanted to touch on. So, by the way, I, I, I anyone listening that uh, happens to to interact with me on Strava, um, I'm going to let you into a secret. I have a thing on my Chrome that just automatically likes every single person I follow on Strava. <laughs> Everything they did. <laughs> so I think everyone thinks I'm some sort of stalker because I like every one of their runs and their walks and things. But I, I just feel, I, I feel. Um, I like Strava because it's if you've got off your ass and did something and if you know it's posted on Strava, good for you is how I feel about it. Whether you are Barney running incredibly fast long kilometers or whatever, and or you know, someone who is walking their dog regularly and trying to get fit through that. I'm like, good for you, 
no matter what it's it's you know it, it is a you got off your ass and did it and that deserves a, a thumbs up <laughs> so so i do mm. automatically that so i don't actually track that much at barney i just see some of the highlight ones when you know it's a big deal uh race or something like that then i'm then i'm really interested of course and i'll, I'll uh post a comment or something then you know i've taken mm. interest <laughs> <if> I <post> <laughs> um no but I, what i wanted to touch on was was your point here about the grind and I guess, the, so I know I've mentioned it a few times when I'm writing this book and, and the whole topic fascinates me because it's about building to a win. It's not about the win uh, all the time. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand that, especially in sport, you know, those that follow a big football team, or whatever, they just think it's game day. And that's, that's where, you know, that's where the magic happens or not. And, you know, everyone blames on certain decisions during the game. But the amount of background work, especially at the higher levels, that goes into building that win together, whether it's the nutrition of the individual players, whether it's the, you know, the stretching exercises that have been mastered and whether it's the team dynamic, whether it's the actual strategic planning against specific competition and how they're going to react all of those factors add together. And, and for you, there's a, a, a tremendous amount of work because I know I've, I've been talked to you about it um, around how do you get faster? How do you, so you have to do the kilometers under your, you know, you have to get those under your feet to just get used to that running and get your muscle memory, but also you have to work at getting faster and faster. And I kind of wanted to ask you a bit more about that here because I, I, I realize I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just, plodding at the pace I'm comfortable at every time I go running and I like going up hills because it's sort of a bit more of a challenge but I don't challenge myself to be that faster and faster person so I was wondering around you how did you build that together what you know where did you seek advice for that where did you build a structure or plan or strategy for that cool I'll do that I'll, I'll mention my um just if there are any runners listening I'll be like how fast is this guy um and I don't want to <laughs> oversell how fast I am so I ran a um a marathon in just under 245 and my half marathon um is about 117 I'm hoping it's a bit quicker at the moment um and hoping to get a PB I've got a race this weekend at Canterbury Road Champs so we'll see how I go there um I changed my whole methodology I used to go out and I used to run as I used to be puffing whenever I ran and that's how I felt I had to build as a runner. Um, and I went out, so my average pace going out was I don't know, four minutes 20 to four minutes 30 per kilometer. And no matter how long or how short I ran, it was always the pace I ran at. And I thought that if I kept doing that, I would build fitness the longer I could hold that for. Um, and then I joined a, uh, joined a run club, um, quite a social run club. It had a couple of um, quite experienced runners in it. And that's where I started learning a little bit more around um, the, the subtleties of running and building a base and building speed um, and how, um, how they're quite sort of separate, um, but they work together, um, different systems in your body. I learned about cadence and how quickly your legs are turning over. Um, I learned uh, just, just so many different things, different heart rate zones and running in them. Um, but my basic philosophy philosophy has been I want to run mileage. I have to enjoy running. So how do I enjoy running? Well, I can't be going out and caning myself every time because I'm not going to want to go out if I'm hurting out on every run. I can't run regularly if I'm injured. So I need to run in a sustainable way that's going to keep my body going. Um, I need to, I wanted to be able to 
um, improve on my own speed, which meant at times I needed to be running fast. But how do I how do I put that all together? How do I how do I actually figure out how that works? So that was the challenge. So I asked for advice at people at the Run Club. Um, I read a lot online. Um, I joined um, a um, YouTube channel, Sage Canada. He's a um, all distance, all terrains runner. Um, and he provides a lot of really useful YouTube clips, which I was watching. And then I got onto his training plans, which really worked for my methodology on running. I like to be able to run different distances, different terrains. Um, I like to be able to fit running around my work commitments. I like not to have a rigid training plan. I like his methodology around running um, running mileage and a lot of it slower pace. Um, so not too sluggish, but around five minute per K. And then my speed work being um, like pretty high intensity and mixing that up with intervals, um, with tempo runs, um, where you're holding a reasonable speed for, a, say, an hour or so, um, interval work, um, yeah, sort of a range of different stuff. Um, so that fitted in really well with my lifestyle and the methodology. And there's different ways to train, but I guess finding a way that, that works for you is, or works for myself was pretty keen to that. And then I just committed to it by signing up to an event because it's nice to have a goal in the future. Um, and I set the goal far enough out that... I would have time to build towards something that I felt was meaningful. Um, for me, I'd already competed in a half marathon for fun in the UK. Um, and I wanted to, I had a time in mind initially that I wanted to break an hour and a half in the half marathon. And so I set a goal that was meaningful my, for, for myself that I could commit to and have a purpose behind achieving. And that was really how I started forming my habit, which started evolving into a ritual and then into an identity. So I kind of stumbled into it, essentially. I have got one or two running friends who are not that dissimilar to you. I mean, we, we know one very well who'll definitely be listening. So we've got to give her a shout out is Jen. She wanted to come and join us. So Jen Jen is a great friend of both of us who also played touch, touch with us, touch rugby with us. Uh, and she's an ultra runner. So she's more of the crazy long distance races uh than than the the shorter half marathons then she's off often up in the mountains doing her thing i've got a few friends like that as well over well we've got a few friends in switzerland who do that um and but i i'm interested to touch on that when you say about um the training plans because again i think that's something which is interesting it seems obvious to you but having a plan and you said earlier about you know um uh planning not just around planning when Tash will let you out the house <laughs> or when, you know, when you can work, when you get work time off, but planning around what is it you're going to be doing uh, and, and, you know, which days do you do, which runs, how do you want to structure your week? How, how rigid is your planning on that and how far ahead do you, do you sort of tend to, to plan? Um, it's, it's pretty flexible day to day because I might have work commitments, um, thrown in my lap so I might need to um, I usually plan to run in the day if I've got a lot of meetings I'll try and my next choice will be early in the morning so I'll try and get up to the 5 30 get out for a run um, and then I've got a third plan which is to run after the kids go down in the evening um, 
if that's not an option, then it's a negotiation with Tash if she's happy to do dinner, put the kids down. So I have I have contingencies all over the shop um, <laughs> to make sure that it gets in. And I'm willing to – I don't like missing sleep. I think sleep's a really important factor to running well. Um, but if I need to miss some sleep, then I'll miss some sleep to get my run in. I'm listening to Arnold Schwarzenegger on his thoughts around six hours – per night is all you need and you're wasting time and there's a there's a bit of thought around that space um some of the m most competitive runners sleep significantly more than eight hours per night and i believe that there's been proven gains for getting decent sleep so um i've yeah, always been a little bit careful around that space I, I i completely agree the science is is definitely coming in thick and fast that sleep is uh, almost as important as the uh, as, as all other factors in in training regimes and things um yeah i've got a couple of friends who were actually one who's working in a startup linked to sleep as well but uh yeah the i'm inspired oh, yeah. by those people who you know there's that guy jocko willick uh who, who photos his watch every morning at 4 30 on insta that's his one thing every morning gets up works out and I was like, oh, this this is so cool because, you know, I have to get up and help with the kids and do all the kids stuff and get them ready for kids. So I'll just get up 5.30 or 4 or 5 o'clock or something. And I set my alarm for 5 the other day, actually. I set my alarm and I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is horrible. How am I going to get out of bed? Go outside in the pouring rain, in the in the cold rain and run. <laughs> So uh, unfortunately, I'm I'm still not there yet, Barney. I need, I need to push myself <laughs> a little bit further. I think I need to sign up to a race. That's the I, I agree with you on that. So having specific goals as well is really important. So uh, it was interesting to me that you talked about having a race to, to to plan for, but also obviously now now you're in this zone and you've got an identity and everything. You've got multiple races, I assume, and I also assume you've got specific targets with what you think you can achieve in those different races and things. Is that, is that right? You set yourself specific goals based on the race and things? Yeah, to a degree. So I'm not all about flat out speed. So I'll run races that have some elevation in them, not compared to Jen's elevation, which is next level. Um, but I'm willing to do a marathon um, or a half marathon if there's a bit of climbing in it. I did um, Mototapu, which I got second place in, which is quite a big one um, down um, Monica um, Queenstown way um, and that was that's probably been my biggest achievement because that was quite a big race and that had about 900 meters of elevation over a marathon um, which is a reasonable amount for me so it's not always time-based and it's not necessarily um, place-based because it all comes down to who who turns up on the day in running um, but it is about the willingness to to push myself past that comfort zone and not give up. So I'll set myself a pace and I'll go out and I'll try and execute that, that pace in a race. That doesn't mean I can hold that pace up hills. Um, I'll exceed that pace down hills. Um, and I guess there is a time in mind, um, but I am quite sort of pace focused. Um, mm. If there's significant elevation, that's sort of out the window. Um, so, yeah, I certainly do set myself goals and set myself targets, but they're usually just to challenge myself. And if I finish a race and I've paced myself well, I haven't blown out, um, then I'm usually pretty proud and pretty happy. I do see some runners beat themselves up when they they short, they are 10 seconds off what their goal was. 
um, they set themselves quite rigid goals or they don't get the place that they want, even though it was out of their control because some really fast runners turned up on the day. For me, that's a slippery slope because for me, being grateful and being positive is important in maintaining my growth mindset, which is how I keep going. And if I lose that, yeah, I'd be worried it would affect my, my overall performance and my commitment to my goals. 100% agree with you. I, I also think you've got to embrace the fail. Uh, you know, if you didn't manage to achieve what you intended, then you've got to embrace that and, and, and understand it and not beat yourself up about it, but learn from it. Like learn why, uh, why, why did I set myself that target in the first place? Was it unrealistic or, you know, did I miss execute my strategy? I did, you know, was it nutrition? Was it whatever, whatever it would be in, in, in racing? I mean, that, that applies to everything is you've got to really step back. And I, I love this thing you keep saying, discomfort. I, I, this is why, I mean, I, I know you and I've seen you at it. I mean, I think we've both been sick on the side of it, field, been, been through just pushing ourselves to the absolute limit in fitness, you know, in the cardio, trying to, trying to bust, us, bust ourselves up. Um, and I, I love that. I, 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 see, I saw a thing the other day, I think I'm thinking about getting on a poster, is uh, life begins when you exit your comfort zone. And I, I just love that. I feel like, you know, yeah, you're, le you're learning and developing every time you push that envelope of that comfort zone. Um, so, yeah, that's something I really, I do really admire that, <laughs> Barney. I know it sounds like I'm sucking up now, but I, I, it's, it's one of the reasons I, I wanted to get you on here because I, I think part of winning and part of building that winning um, strategy is, is that mindset and that, that perseverance, that persistence, you know, the the bloody mindedness. I'm, I'm sure you're probably quite stubborn. I, I know you as an extremely lovely, kind, gentle guy, but I, I reckon inside there's quite a stubborn Barney. Is that, would that be fair? Do you think? Yeah, certainly. Like, um, yeah, I, well, Tash will attest to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think going to, going back to that point around failing as well, like if there's something I've learned about myself, it's that vulnerability isn't weakness. And I think the willingness to fail um, is a, it is, it is, it is showing vulnerability. And I think embracing that and accepting that is, has enabled me to learn off others and enabled me to not have that, to lose that fear. Having that vulnerability has enabled me to lose the fear of failing or what I might look like. Because the journey has been, like I've had some pretty, I've had a couple of blowouts in races and I've been a bit embarrassed of, um, yeah, there's, there's, been a, there's been plenty of failures along the journey. Leadership's probably a better example. Um, and I'm practicing vulnerability and leadership at the moment, which has been yeah, pretty challenging for me. Um, and a willingness to just embrace that, be open, be authentic, um, make mistakes, put my hand up when I make mistakes. I've learned a lot from my running, I think, and a lot from my leadership that's transferred back and forwards as well. Mm. So, yeah, read a, read a great book, Daring to Lead by Brene Brown. Um, and that book has helped me immensely in my leadership, but some of that stuff's also bled across into my running as well. So what would you say when you, when you consider leadership then, what would you say are the key elements that you... Do transfer across because I I, th I totally agree. But like, what are the key ones that you think are the most useful, which bleed across? 
Um, that's a really good question. Good. Hope I guess I feel them more at the time when they're happening than I can. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me me looking off into space trying to um yeah, that's it. It's a it's a really good question. I like I, I often think of it when I'm when I'm in the moment. But now that you've put me on the spot, nothing's really jumping into my head. Um, yeah, I guess just I like I certainly the the conversations that I have and the vulnerabilities probably being one of those key factors where um, yeah I'm willing to make mistakes. I'm willing to look the fool to try something out or try something different or something doesn't go to plan. I'm just willing to, yeah, willing to do that. Um, yeah. And I think your point about authentic as well is as a leader, you know, earning trust. For, for me, every relationship is linked to trust. And, and it, regardless of whether it's a, you know, boss and a subordinate or a team or a, or a, a you know, marriage, it's all linked to trust. And, 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 you know, trust is the, is the sort of holy grail in any relationship. And if you, if you break the trust, you're in a really bad spot. But building the trust up is is a case of being authentic, being vulnerable, like you just mentioned, and caring for the other person in front of you or the other person in the relationship, um, you know, beyond yourself. So to and caring about that that common goal or common good that you can achieve together. And I think that when you mentioned about the vulnerability, I totally agree. And I think also the authenticity, part of the reason I'm doing this whole podcast thing is I want to have authentic conversations. I'm much more interested to have a longer form conversation. Honestly, I'm not that bothered if not many people listen to it, because for me, it's an interesting experience to do this. But I also think if I, if I find it interesting and I find the people like yourself interesting, then maybe others will, and maybe there's something to that. So um, that's why I want it to be authentic. When I, I've tried a bit of YouTube, as you know, and, and then, you know, tried to edit the videos together. And there is a danger always when you're doing that to try and, you know, retake the shot a couple of times to get it right. And, you know, take the ums and ers out of what you say. And it all becomes more refined and less authentic. And I think, you know, the better, the better relationship builders are the ones who are the most authentic. So I think that's uh, that's definitely something to, to take across. And when you said about vulnerability and linking it to the fail, I think you're absolutely right. It's, you know, being able to fail and own that and, and, and you know, uh, to be able to be that upset person as well and show those emotions and show that vulnerability and show that it meant something to you. That all builds to that authenticity. So, yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Um I also think something I, I think from leadership that you definitely have uh, uh, that you would have ported across, I think, as well, both both ways is is that perseverance, you know, like aiming towards a goal and just like you said, I think you said the word you said was committed. Once you've committed to something, you know, you, you've always been someone who can see it through. That is a great leader quality for sure, whether it's in business mm. or in in your case, in <laughs> In running, I mean, it obviously helps in running. <laughs> um, Barney, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. I've done a bit of talking at the end there, but I uh, I really super appreciate you taking the time. And I know you've got a whole day ahead of you now, and I'm about to go to bed, so uh, it seems very <laughs> weird. But uh, I I miss you, man, and I um, I hope we do get to see each other again sometime in the not too distant future. I, I I'm keen to come to New Zealand once you know once the world gets back on its feet. Uh, and we can we can come down there and, and see you and your family 
but thank you very much. Is there anything you wanted to kind of like, is there any, you, you don't strike me as someone particularly wanting to promote yourself, but is there anything you wanted to promote or say or finish up with that you wanted to kind of send a message out to anyone listening? No, not, not really. I would, I, I would like to say that the stuff you're doing at the moment, um, like around your YouTube clips and this stuff, like it is really important stuff for us to be talking about and people to be talking about in general. Um, I certainly enjoy it. Um, I don't have a lot of people that um, I talk to about these sort of things. So I've really enjoyed having this conversation. Oh, and I hope that we can oh, continue this conversation too. Yeah, man. Well, follow along and I'll, maybe we get you back on again. I, I, I don't know where this is going. I've got... I've got an Olympic swimmer who's who's basically committed, which is amazing. A, a gold medalist, oh, Olympic swimmer. Yeah, uh, she she's she's had a baby recently though, so uh, I'm she is definitely uh, up to her eyes in that. So I'm I'm trying not to be too pushy, but obviously I want I would love to get an Olympian on. Uh, and I've got two <laughs> two other women, uh, one in America, and one in Hong Kong, who are amazing as well. So I'm very excited for those conversations and um anyone listening if you think you've got an interesting story to tell and, and you want to have a conversation as well please do get in touch because i'm keen to have more of these and uh you know I, I i'd love to keep this going so thank you so much barney 